is episode 99, Carryover and Generalization, featuring Quintina Briscoe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. And I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. For the realistic SLP. Who is actively anti-racism. See, I knew knew we're going back and (laughs) forth with that, Deb. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, so then I wanted to give some food for thought. Let's think about how has racist ideas impacted your daily life? Just take the time to reflect and process. You can choose to sit quietly and think about it. You can choose to write in a journal. But ask yourself, how have racist ideas impacted my daily life? Great. I like to write things on scrap paper and then throw them away. I don't know why, but that's my favorite thing to do lately because I have a lot of scrap paper, just like paper in the mail, you know, instead of throwing it out, I just write on the back. So another idea, you know? Yeah, there so, you go. Yes. So what are you drinking today, Deb? So I am drinking Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc from Murrow, Marlboro. It's a 2019. It's a can of Sauvignon Blanc. Make sure and, to take uh, a picture of that. I want to be I able did. to see that. Great. I did. I took a picture of it. I'm going to send it to you. Um Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc dazzles with aromas of intense tropical fruit and fresh-cut grass notes. The palate bursts with passion fruit, citrus, and ripe stone fruit flavors. From exceptional vineyards in New Zealand's famous Marlboro region, we proudly craft this exuberant Sauvignon Blanc. Delicious with fresh seafood, goat cheese salad, or on its own. Um, I just had a more like a Southwest Mexican type salad but um i it was good i had this um mike got this from a woman who he's building shelves for uh-huh. my back door is off the hinges but he's gonna go build some other woman's shelves oh no <laughs> yeah is he being paid for his services rendered yes okay yes, he is but then also like there are flies Yes, because now you don't have a door. No, which... I've been trying to pull it shut, just making it stay in the doorway, and it's hard. <laughs> hey, well, yeah. I guess that's life living with Mike, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, just so you know, I took a video of you for the gram for that. So, just, Oh, good. Yeah, just throwing that out there. So what I am drinking, which I guess will this will be my drink uh, for now, for this season, is uh, this cocktail that I have created by reading about it on Pinterest. So I can't take, ah. yeah, I can't take full credit for it. But there's vodka in here, a little bit of honey, some, t- some soda, I just use seltzer, and some fresh rosemary from my garden. Very nice. So I... It's very strong. I am so not used to drinking hard liquor like vodka. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. I feel like I've really switched to wine, and I guess the wine podcast led me to that way to just drink wine because I'm also more interested in it and reading about mm-hmm. it. Over the weekend, I posted on our Instagram. I went to uh, Long Island and the, this farm that they make their own wine there, and I had ice Ooh. wine and I had mm-hmm. some rose, and I was just like, mm, you know other berries in here you know i get into it now i swirl it 
So now when I drink something like this, my palate is like, "Mm," you know, I'm just like a punch in the mouth, but a good kind of punch because then afterwards, yeah, in a good way, if there ever were a good way to be punched, Mm -hmm. I don't think there is though. So perhaps that wasn't the best analogy. Don't knock it. Some people like getting punched. Okay. Well, I can't say I condone violence, though. You know, I'm always trying to worry about what we sound like on this show. And Deb just likes to make me feel silly (laughs) and uncomfortable. But how about your drink that's in a can? Drink it or sink it? I vote drink it. I think I want to keep it in the can because it's like it's in a can. Yeah, no. It's supposed to be in a can. In a bad way. I just was asking. No, but what I'm saying is that, like, I don't know. Do I taste aluminum or Mm. is it, like mental i don't know but overall the wine is good okay you could always use a straw just throwing that idea out there you know what i could use a straw but i don't want to get up but next time yeah Yeah. thanks (laughs) no worries next time and my drink i vote drink it and next time to make this drink better i'm going to add more rosemary uh okay that's so what motivated you to make this because you have excess rosemary Mm -hmm. yes i figured Oh, I'll bring you some on Friday. Thanks. Yes. So I have extra rosemary. So in Pinterest, I just Googled like rosemary drinks and this one popped up and I like mm. the honey. So I added a little honey Sweet. and um, I will be drinking this next week, which will be August 18th, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have a Zoom virtual happy hour. It's going to be me and you drinking with a whole bunch of other SLPs. And I really hope they're going to drink as well. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, virtually seeing everyone and I think we'll have fun. And you're going to post an instructional video on how to make your drink, right? That is correct. I am. I'm going to have an Aperol spritzer, so I'll make a video too. Okay. So yours will be an Aperol spritz and I forgot the name of mine. Mine will just be a rosemary spritz then. (laughs) That's what mine is. Nice. So is that your new favorite drink? I don't know if it's my favorite. It's more out of like, this is what I have and this is what I'm drinking. You know, I keep asking Maria about like, what's her favorite anything. And at first she tried to sound like super wholesome, like, oh, everything is equal. But now I think she just doesn't commit. Just it's, it's your favorite. That's what you're going (laughs) to. Yeah. I don't want to say it's my favorite because then what if it diminishes the other drinks that I consume, you know? Well, they don't have feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, are you as, right why are you assigning emotions to inanimate objects? I'm not, I don't know if I'm assigning emotions. I'm just saying, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to commit to this being my favorite mm-hmm. because then if well, I don't what's get your this, favorite speech therapy population to work with? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they all have their pros and cons, but. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I like the elementary kids. But then I have like one or two kids that are a little bit older, like fourth or fifth grade. And I'm like, oh, I like working with them, too. It's kind of a nice change of scenery to have someone older. And then I had an adult client. I like love that, too. So it's like, again, I can't commit to just one population, I guess. Well, you can like everyone, but you can just like one the most. Like, what's your favorite uh, speech or language or communication disorder? Um, I guess fluency. I think it's oh. very interesting. Yes. Nice. Finally, an answer. Good. Okay. <laughs> what about you? 
Um, that I don't even have an answer to. I okay. don't know. Um, but I do talk in this episode about like what population I like to work with. And I've been liking to work with the smaller ones. Um, and just like clarity of speech and expressive language. I just mm. feel like it's the easiest mm-hmm. and it's like pro- like progress, you know, right. it's like just gratification, just quick, you know, I hear you. I hear you. So um, he's fun. You have, um, an interview, right? With the yes, owner with- slash the CEO of Pediatric Speech Lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quintina and I, we hang out. Um, we, you'll see what we drink um, and you'll see what we talk about. We talk about um, that time we looked on our camera rolls and got scared when we saw some vocal fold pictures. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we talk about favorites. We talk about getting parents involved and we talk about the difference between carryover and generalization Mm. and a lot more like Quintina is amazing. She is the like owner of pediatric speech lab in the like DC, Maryland area. Um, And she does like webinars and she made an app too. Cool. I remember she reached out to us a while ago and it was I don't remember when it was, but I remember we were like super busy. So I was like, I'm sorry, we can't do the interview right now. So I'm like really happy mm-hmm. we got around to yeah. it. So yeah, it was fun. No, that's good. I think she'll be attending our happy hour. So Woo! yes. Yeah. So everyone come do happy hour with us. We'll, we'll um, have some activities to do while we're happy houring. Uh, we had to come up with that, but maybe there'll be like games, contests, trivia. Um, Sure. Yeah, I'm sure we'll think think of some fun stuff. And also it's to celebrate our hundredth episode. So I was thinking this could be a great way for other people to come on the show so we can, Mm -hmm. you know, have different questions and then make sure to include those audio clips when we release the episode. As right. hundredth episode. So yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested in participating, in participating in our hundredth episode of SLPs wine and cheese over zoom, uh, you should email us SLPs wine and cheese at gmail.com. Um, you will send you the zoom link and we'll ask you maybe if you have any questions that you want to, or anything you want to talk about, we'll, we'll ask you if you, how you want to participate. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And on Instagram, you can find the link to the Zoom uh, in our bio. But reach out if you want to be more of a participant. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Like featured, like you have something you want to share maybe, or Mm -hmm. um, maybe like a hashtag SLP win, or you have a tip or trick, or you have this really great quote. Or a cocktail. Or a really great cocktail. And you just want to come on and Mm -hmm. drink on the show. You know, we could do that as well. We're very- Tell us how to make it. Yeah. We're very versatile on this show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And then also, um, so we're so excited to do this virtual happy hour. We also have a lot of bonus content set to be released on Patreon starting September 1st. Um, I uploaded an entire comedy podcast that I did with uh, several very well-known comedians. Um, And we also have boom cards on there and other resources and videos. So um, the comedy podcast gets posted the first and the 15th of every month. And then weekly in between, that's when the um, other bonus content is published. So check us out at 
patreon.com slash SLPs wine and cheese. Yes. And then our Instagram, there's the link to the, our Patreon in our bio. In our bio? Yes. Instagram bio. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite parent, Maria? Who's All parents are created equal. No, your parents, like your two, your mom or your dad. Who do you like more? I don't know. I can't answer that because if they listen to this, it's going to hurt their feelings. So I'm going to say I love them both equally. If a building is burning, who would you save, AJ or your brother? Oh, God. I'm going to have to go with my brother, even though that would be really sad to think about AJ burning. So I don't really know why this is so morbid when we should be, when we should be celebrating. We've been having this podcast for over a hundred episodes. Years. A hundred years. It's been been 100 years, like Mm -hmm. the meme. Um, No, so we should be celebrating, which I am with my cocktail here. But I wanted to mention uh, it's summertime now, right? Uh, Yeah, starting in DC. Yes. So I have been uh, just enjoying our home state of New York. I just got back from rollerblading. Uh, right by this golf course, right on Cropsey Avenue in Brooklyn. And then some guy was like, Hey, just so you know, there's going to be, you might get like hit by a golf ball. So maybe you want (laughs) to go down more and rollerblade. And I'm like in a head helmet, elbow pads, knee pads. I'm like, thinks you're not prepared. I'm like, this golf ball ain't got nothing on me, but I did. (laughs) I was like, all right, I will just roll away and not rollerblade near the golfers, even though nobody was golfing. That'd be a funny sketch if like every time you were just determined to rollerblade on that path and each time you got hit by a golf ball and like you wore more and more armor Mm. each scene, but it just always got you in a place where you weren't covered. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Like a face shield. Yeah. Hit me in the neck. neck. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing a turtleneck. It hits me in like the groin and I need to wear a cup or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And you just keep going. We should make that sketch. Okay. But I don't want to actually get hit by the (laughs) golf balls. You can't, you you can't prepare for everything, (laughs) but you can take a hit. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) All right. Well, you tell me. are opening back up. Are you excited? Um, excited. I don't know if I'd choose that word. Um, I'm kind of just like, it is what it is. You know, I've gotten uh, very comfortable and very cozy and very happy providing teletherapy. And I really like yeah. it. And our kids are making so much progress. I'm so yeah. happy. Speaking of generalization, which I know you talk about more and the mm-hmm. interview, which is coming up, one of my students uh, spontaneously was like, that's cool. Ooh, uh, a comment, yeah, a comment. My student clinician played the piano and mm-hmm. I was like, what do you say to her? You know? And he was like, that was cool. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, So uh, that was great. And uh, one of my other students, he's been uh, requesting much more independently now without any tactile cues, independently requesting for more. And uh, the other week he requested for bathroom on his own. So I really have been seeing results with teletherapy. So that's why I'm not so much looking forward to going back to the in-person because I feel like it's just going to be like madness. And I liked, I, you know, I like to be more calm and chill and laid back. And I just don't think it's going to be like that at all. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to give off that type of vibe, but it's just reality. Everyone's going to be panicked. Parents, admins, paraprofessionals, teachers, the kids are going to be confused. It's just going to be so 
much. And I'm just like not looking forward to that, but it is what it is, right? If we have to go back to work, we have to go back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just feel strongly that, um, it is what it is and that mm -hmm. everyone, like nobody is choosing this as a punishment. No one is saying tough luck. No one is saying like, um, I oh, don't well. know. Like, yeah. yeah, no one, no one is saying like, this is easy. You have no reason for concern. Everyone mm -hmm. is like, we understand, but fundamentally education is something that must persist. So we're going to see if we can like maintain this low infection rate. And if so, then we will carry on with school with these precautions. If it doesn't work, then we will retreat back. But it's like, we got to put our toe in the water. I don't know if that makes me sound like insensitive in the sense that like, I'm not, I'm not advocating for like herd immunity. I'm not saying like, you know, sacrifice individuals so mm -hmm. that, you know, we can carry on with ordinary life. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking that, um, we have to take it one step at a time and just, you know, chew and swallow what's on our plate in front of us. I see that. I see that. And it's, it's hard because, you know, op the opening of the schools does require a lot of planning, which is, I think what's happening currently, you know, as of today's date is August 11th. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I work for the DOE. Everyone knows that I think at this point, uh, New York city department of education, and I get all the emails from the union and from, um, Michael Mulgrew and de Blasio and all those, all those mm -hmm. officials. So uh, I have an email here and it says that the union is working with the city to develop many of the safety standards included in the reopening proposal, but the mayor's current plan falls short. This is, I'm just reading what the union said for school buildings to reopen school communities need to have voluntary testing for all students and school-based staff returning for in-person instruction. Okay, that makes sense. Like before you even enter the building, we should be tested, I think. Because then how do you know if you have it and you're asymptomatic and you're just like spreading the disease? Like great first day of work, everyone. Just, you know, 20 people got infected. So I, I hear that point. A rolling testament regimen yeah. in every school community for adults and student volunteers to identify those infected with the virus but asymptomatic. Okay. The results of these tests should be available within 24 hours. That's correct. A dedicated mm -hmm. group of contract tracers to investigate who else has been exposed when an adult or a student in a school contact contracts the virus. I actually listened to National Public Radio, their podcast. And they mm -hmm. talked about how a lot of the states, very few states, I think like Vermont, I remember offhand was one of them, is actually has the right amount of volunteers who are doing the contact tracing and what contact tracer is. So like, let's say someone gets uh, COVID-19 and then they have a positive test result, then you call them and you say, okay, where have you been in the last like two, three days? And then you have to contact all those people. That's your job as the contact oh. tracer. And you tell them you have maybe that's a volunteer job. I think so. It seems like it. This country is insane. That's that's a whole that's a job. You're a detective. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I forgot. <laughs> okay. Maybe I I'm don't know. Not. I hope it's not volunteer. No. I feel like they said volunteer job on end. Yeah, like if you were like my husband cheated on me, I think <laughs> then I'd be like, where? What's the evidence? I will help you uncover that. But like <laughs> right. searching for coronavirus, I mean. That'd be so rough. It's like every grocery store. 
I'd be okay, like, so it's a position. What? How about that? Whether it's paid or not, I'm not sure. Okay. But if you're interested in that job or you know someone interested in that job, <laughs> I would just say Google it. But that's called a contact tracer. So, okay. <laughs> just so you know. I heard also on NPR contact like, tracer. Contact like, tracer. That's a good job. Except unless it's not paid. But like, uh, yeah. I like that sure. title. It's a cool title. I am, I am not snooping. I am contact tracing. Yes. <laughs> Snooping. <It's good. laughs> if you're a curious person, I think yes. that's a good job for you. Where have you been? Tell me everywhere. Tell me everywhere yeah. you've been, everyone you spoke to. Now I need to track them. Oh my goodness. And if you're a good listener. I heard um, in North Korea, they, they were doing this, I believe, or maybe not North or South Korea. I'm not sure exactly. Again, I just, you know, I multitask when I listen to podcasts. So I just get the main idea. I don't get all the mm-hmm. details correct. Yeah, that's so. important. You should, de- yeah. you should, you don't need all the details, just a yeah. couple. Just a couple. But I do know <laughs> in another country in Asia, Somewhere they're else. doing it. And it's, you could see like this person on the app, on an app where they've gone and stuff. And like, oh, she's here. She's, she, she went here mm-hmm. and she has a positive result. She's home now. And a Do lot like of that, well, a lot of other individuals are saying that this is a breach of uh, privacy. Yeah. That's what so I'm thinking. That's there's like- yeah. But I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think the app is a little too much where you're like a dot and they're like watching you. Um, but at the same time you have to contain the virus. So if you, if someone has a positive test result, like they really should be staying home and it's hard to put your trust in other people that you don't even know, but you wish that, you know, you're hoping that, okay, if you have a positive test result, you know, to self quarantine, right? Right. But how are you going to control people? Also, I mean, like, we got to think of something better to talk about before we end this. (laughs) But uh, I guess I feel like this is like a damper. But at the same time, it's like even get tested. But then at the same time, it's like, who knows if in the time you waited for that test that you got exposed and then you just go around with your false confidence. Well, yeah, that's that's what they're saying with um, the test results that, that we require testing that you get the results in a couple of hours. Like they can hold you there, hold you mm-hmm. in the hospital room or the clinic, or you stay, just go straight home or you get tested right at home and you don't infect people. So that's right. another need for testing. And that's an argument that the union is saying for schools that we need tests that will be instant results so that if a kid walks into school that day and you know you take their well of course they're taking the temperature but you know giving a test and then they get the results right away and then okay if you are positive you know we need that school nurse on staff to mm-hmm. call the parent and be like pick them up you know just I don't know it's just going to be a lot but anyway yeah just, I think listen, that I'm just saying facts Deb I mean I don't know if you're not into reality and I know you want to talk about something more exciting, but I can, you know, find some happier news for you if you'd like. Yeah, Maria, I would like some happy news if you could find some happy news. I mean, I think that reality is boring. We don't need reality all the time. That's why we listen to, well, maybe podcasts is too real, but like, that's why we, you know, watch movies, listen to songs, go to comedy shows. That's why the whole entertainment industry even happened because it was our escape from reality, which is lame. 
Okay. Or, or, <laughs> okay. Or overwhelming and some people just can't handle it. So they want an escape. But I, I got some good news. Volunteers released more than 10,000 baby sea turtles in the sea in Bali. Yeah. So <laughs> there were some baby sea turtles that were saved. Look at that. Yeah. With sea turtle populations having seen a decline in recent years, conservation groups are stepping up their game to bring sea turtle numbers back up. So this week, this past week, conservation groups carried crates, each full of dozens of tiny turtles to Guyanar Beach on the Indonesian island of Bali and encouraged local people and volunteers to line up on the sand and release the hatchlings together. In total, more than 10,000 baby sea turtles were released, making for quite the sight as this tiny sea turtle scurried over the black sand and pebbles. So, great. Also a great article for S Articulation. <laughs> the sea turtles. Yes, look at that. <laughs> The numbers are back up this past well, numbers is a Z. Right? All right. But, but, but still, if you can't do <laughs> if you can't do S, then you better be able to do some Z, too. So you might as well throw them in there together. You know what I'm saying? You know, I didn't avow today. Golden Fristo three, which oh. was my first time. Is that bad to admit? But I haven't been doing vows in a long time. No, it's not bad. I haven't used the third one before today. I have the, the second one. I wouldn't say I that it's bad at all. Okay. So um, how was anywho, it? It was good, but she was like consistent with the interdental production of S, changing it to a TH. Um, but she was inconsistent with the Z. Sometimes it, it was interdental and sometimes it wasn't. And, and I also saw her like be mindful a couple times and then not do it. You know, mm. like she went like, it's a sandcastle. Oh, interesting. You know? I can't say so, I know what happened there because I wasn't there. So mm -hmm. interesting. I had to, I have to get to know my friend better. Yeah. Was, you know, an eval. So. Yeah. Well, you could just say inconsistent errors and then you dig deeper once you have her. That's what yeah, I Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm excited to figure it out. Cool. Well, I'm excited to listen to your interview and we will get back to the interview right after this brief commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Speech Sounds Visualize app. See speech in action. It is the only app in the world to use x-ray videos along with 3D animation to show how speech sounds are formed, packed with loads of features to accelerate learning. It is available now in the App Store and in the Google Play Store. Also, check out the show notes for a link to be entered in a giveaway to get the app Speech Sounds Visualize for free. Check out the show notes for more information. This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by Bjorn Speech Publications. Bjorn Speech Publications is founded by Jenny Bjorn SLP. It's a great resource for parents, therapists, and those studying to enter the field of speech pathology. Jenny Bjorn is an expert in the field specializing in childhood apraxia speech. Bjorn's speech sound cues use fresh, diverse illustrations that speak to children. 
For more up-to-date, child-inspired speech and language products created for therapists by therapists, head over to BjornSpeech.com. And now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb, and Maria couldn't make it today, but you guys are in luck because I am joined today by Quintina Briscoe from Pediatric Speech Lab, and we're going to talk all about generalization and carryover of speech and language skills. Say hi to everyone. Hi. Hey everyone, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad that we were able to schedule this. Um, I can't wait to ask you questions about the app that you created and just talking about generalization of skills that we teach. But before that, what are we drinking? This is a wine and cheese podcast. So um, I'll go first. I have a tall glass of h2o water it is it is straight faucet water there's not even an ice cube in it um yeah just straight water what about you quintina we are drinking a light today because i have here a 16.9 full ounce bottle of deer park water Ooh, fancy <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's appropriate, though, I think, because I'm sure that we as professionals have recommended to our clients to maintain hydration, and we just want to promote generalization and carryover of those skills by modeling that behavior. So mm -hmm. here we are drinking yes. water. Being great models. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course, of course. So um, my name is Quintina Briscoe. I am a speech language pathologist. I actually own <laughs> a speech and hearing clinic in the DC, Maryland and Virginia area. So I am the CEO of a speech and language clinic, private practice. Um, we also train teletherapy um, clinicians. We do a lot of trainings. So the speech part is the actual um, speech and language therapy, but the lab portion of speech, um, pediatric speech lab is the teaching part of the company. Wow. Okay. So is this like um, a consult, consultative type? Yes. Yeah, so we are in the process of getting CEU certified. Ah. So we will soon be offering our courses as CEUs um, for clinicians because our courses are so interactive and fun. We just want to offer something a little bit fun. Right. Yeah. And right now we are all being expected to take on all new technologies. So um, really any resource that you can get a hold of is helpful. Yes. Yes. So you um, offer training for uh, speech therapists so that they can like utilize teletherapy? Yes. Um, so we strategy. offer training. Yes. So we offer training for speech pathologists as well as parents um, with children who have autism. 
Um, so we, yeah, so we offer a range of trainings, but most of them are for parents, for education and carryover, what we're talking about today. Right. And then also for speech pathologists who are jumping into teletherapy. Just this week, we did a training on managing behavior. So we do a whole bunch of different webinars and trainings. That's fantastic. Um, I saw your behavior webinar and I was wondering if it's, is it only available live or do you, can you um, watch it again? So we have put that on the app and I think you're going to go into oh, talking. Yes, too, right? yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So we put that on the app um, along with the other webinars as well. So you can do it live. I love it live because you're able to ask me questions and we can right. talk. I love to talk to the clinicians. I love to be really intimate with them. Right. So I'm excited about doing it live, but you can also catch the replays on the app. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to miss the next one. You just made me feel pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty amazing that you're located where you are does that require like multiple licensures or is that all like rep reciprocity so you mean as far as the trainings no for where you you said that you're located oh. um in the maryland dc because that's yeah. like all kind of a cluster right Yes, that is a cluster, but as you know, state by state, we have to have different licensing. Right, yeah. So also, um, because Pediatric Speech Lab is a teletherapeutic company, we're also licensed a, to, in a lot of states, states on the East Coast. So okay. we're licensed in um, New Jersey, Delaware, New York, Pennsylvania, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Wow. With teletherapy services, yes. That's amazing, wow. <laughs> So how long have you been a SLP? So I have been a speech language pathologist for seven years now. Nice. Yes, but I've always been in the field. I actually started out doing ABA. Oh, okay. And then I started to do SLPA and then quickly went to get my master's in speech pathology. Oh, wow. Very nice. So do you feel like a lot of your therapy kind of like um, has a little bit of that ABA background to it? Like, do you, do you apply that? 1000%. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is why I felt like I knew a lot about managing behaviors mm -hmm. because in ABA, it's a behavioral therapy. So yes, I really feel like ABA assisted me with managing behaviors in my therapy session 1000%. Nice. Yeah. I feel like the this I haven't been trained in ABA, but um, my research and what I've seen from it, I do just like the classical conditioning. I feel like I always incorporate that in my therapy. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you do this, then something wonderful will happen. Exactly. It's all about the cause and effect. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I got the um, Google Chrome extension for confetti. And then if you hit uh -huh. control B, your whole screen just. Confetti. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. I should screen share with you. Yes. I've never heard about that before. <laughs> yeah. So if you do a good job, then I will be like, yay. And then hit this little hat or hit control B. You see that? Good oh, job. Wow. Look at that oh, excitement. Wow. What is it? that your Google window? Yeah. So it's just a Chrome extension. You just hit, you just like 
type into Google, Google, like Google Chrome extension confetti. Okay. It was the only option. I wish there was like bubbles. I wish I could have fish going across my screen. I would love more of these, (laughs) but yeah. So then I just make it whenever I feel like I'm losing them, I just make it do confetti, but it could be fireworks. You know, there's, I would like more of these extensions. If you know how to make a Google Chrome extension, hit me up. I got ideas. I need to. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's cool. So, um, So you said you have an ABA background. Did you mention that um, if you had a focus area? I don't want to assume that it's ASD, but that's what I would. You should definitely assume. Okay. Because (laughs) because it's definitely ASD. Okay. Um, Definitely autism spectrum disorder has melted my little heart away. (laughs) I am just in love with my babies who have been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay, yes. That's my answer. Specific. Yes. And I also feel like, and it's crazy that you said that because now I'm realizing that I feel this way, probably because I was introduced to ABA first. Right. That was my initial impression for like the basis of my assumption. Yes. Because I feel like you talk about all different topics on your um, Instagram. So it's yes. not like, it doesn't appear that you're favoring autism, but when, when yes. you- when you said uh, ABA, that's why I was like, oh, so. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where, the, that's, ex- that's where the favoritism came from, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm just realizing that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I am all for favoritism. I think that that's nonsense when people try to say they don't have a favorite or like it's not a, it's not good to have yeah. favorites. Mm-hmm. I have a favorite plant. Yes. You know, <laughs> we don't have to talk about what I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what is your favorite? <laughs> um, in speech pathology, my favorite yeah. group. Um, so I'm finding that I love just the three to five-year-olds, okay. just expressive language and overall clarity of speech. Yes. Okay. That is my favorite. Um, so developmental language. But um, that specifically, especially okay. like um, – I have these like new little guys and like some are on the spectrum, some are not. And it's just like crazy when you find this thing that they like or that they're good at, or you can get them to do. And then you just like keep working from that. And then you see how much you can get them to do. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. And seeing them grow from one area to another developmental milestone is, is very exciting. I agree. Right. Yeah. So bringing us to our topic. So what does carryover and generalization of skills look like? So carryover to me, which is the reason I actually developed the app, mm-hmm. carryover to me is getting the parents involved. Yeah. We really have to get the parents involved because once the children have gotten their therapy once or twice a week for 30 minutes to an hour it's so hard for the parents to go home well it's not hard for them to go home but leaving the session i think it's very important that they are understanding of what we're working on their actual treatment plan what we expect of them so carryover and generalization of skill to me It's having the family understand and having the family support the child in a way that will eventually speed up the prognosis. Absolutely. And you have to make 
those expectations clear, like you said, yes. and how will the parent know about what they should be doing or could be doing if you're just really adhering to this, just like one-to-one, two times 30 model. Exactly. Exactly. And our practice here at the Pediatric Speech Lab, we have a very precise practice. Once the therapy session is over, Mm -hmm. we leave about five minutes for the family and um, the clinician to go over what they did in the session, Mm -hmm. what they're going to do next in the session and recommendations as far as when they go home and the expectation of what it is they need to do once they get home. Right. Right. So um, what are some kind of carryover tips that you might typically give to a family? Because I know it has to be applicable. It has to be like not a situation that you create, but a situation that's going to be like naturally occurring within their life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when this happens, do this. So Mm -hmm. what kind of like feedback or tips can you give to parents? So in relation to, I think that was a good point that you brought up about it being functional relating to their actual life. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we do make our goals very functional. I mean, academic tasks are academic tasks. We have um, developmental milestones, but if families are doing, are in a specific if they're identifying with something specific, then we make sure that we carry over with them what it is that specifically we're working on in the session. Mm -hmm. So say um, we might be working on in a a short period of time or during that time, the parent might be working on potty training. So in that actual session, if we're working on following directions, we're going to take what you have at home and make it very consistent with what we do in therapy. So we're doing following directions and we're making sure we're working with potty time. Or if they're sitting trying to work at mealtime, then we'll make sure we incorporate mealtime. So making it very functional so that when um, they are out of the session, then they go home and the carryover is easier because the parent's able to grasp the concept and then the child is in a familiar um, situation. Right. Yeah. So it seems like you could probably use maybe like social stories in, and that would be like an easy way to carry. So like you, if you had the same social story for potty training in the session that you do at home. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. And then it goes into, we also, and that's just like the app to assist with carryover. We also have potty training um, courses for parents on the app. So they're not, but they're actually, um, they are a handout. So I Uh offer a visual schedule, step-by-step direction, the supplies that they need, just telling them everything that they need to gather in order to potty train the child. So making it functional here, then with carryover, making it functional on the app and then carrying over it and making it functional at home. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's great that you're you're, you, you're instead of creating a situation where you can like coax language, you're just trying to talk about something that they're already inevitably doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. And in all situations, it doesn't really work out like that because of the age and maybe there's not even really something specific that the parents are working on at home. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it works out that way and sometimes it does not. Right, yeah. 
Um, so lately, well, actually, I guess <clears throat> my whole career that mm-hmm. except for the teletherapy part, um, I would always try to think about carryover because I wanted not only for the child to make progress, but like also I wanted everything that we do in speech to seem familiar so that the parents knew that like what we were working on and that we were working and that there was something that we were targeting. So um, I would often find myself drawing pictures and I would try to do like the speech exercises on the pictures that I drew um, so many times in the session so that when the kid did leave, hopefully if the parent asked them like, what is this? The, the child could just like automatically do it. Right. And then that would be my, my carryover. So I like though what you said that you reserve that communication time to talk to parents yeah. because yeah, in, in most settings that I worked in, I didn't have that opportunity. I kind of only just relayed, like relied on the worksheets that I made. Right. Right. And sometimes the parents really, they might not understand, you know, I think a lot of times we as professionals, as specialists, we don't realize that we could be talking about um, cluster reduction or reduplicated babbling or something like that. And they're mm-hmm. like, what is that? Yeah, like, yeah. what is, you know, you're telling me something, but I'm not sure what you're telling me. So it could be French to them. Right. In relation to a mechanic, you know, he knows how to cook, you know, to fix a car, you know. So if he says something about the spring or the catalytic converter or something like that, we're not looking. (laughs) We're just I'll be like, how much is that? (laughs) Do I need it? (laughs) (laughs) So, So important that even when I used to work at an elementary school and I was in IEP meetings, I definitely made sure that I did not use the our language right the jargon I mean also like so much of speech pathology terms are so inappropriate I don't even want to use them anyway it's like push in pull out swallowing penetration (laughs) God forbid somebody pulls up a a vocal folds on the computer yes Oh my goodness. One time I looked at it, I went to Asha like three years ago and I, and you know, you see it, and it's obvious, right? And so I went in my phone like a few days after that and I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's smaller. So like you didn't see Exactly. And I was like, whoa, that's just the vocal folds. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world did I take a picture <laughs> hysterical oh my goodness um yeah (laughs) but um so but it's so important that um so I like how you said like carryover and generalization are two different things you're saying like carryover is the parents understanding and applying what we're doing in speech and then generalization would be doing that spontaneously eventually in their own life like potty training now is a success Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then uh, I wanted to talk about like why carryover and generalization is um, like so important, but like, obviously it's important because that's what we're working on. So we want it to happen. But sometimes I think it's difficult as a clinician to like shift your focus in that direction so that you're like, 
I have to make sure that what we do today does, does not just stay here in this session, that it leaves yeah. here. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to like get past that. So I don't know. Do you have any advice? <laughs> so of course for, you mean for clinicians, right? Or for yeah, parents. for clinicians. So for clinicians, I think one thing that I can definitely advise is lesson planning. Mm-hmm. The thing with lesson planning and any type of planning is that you have an idea of what is to come. So mm-hmm. if you lesson plan for a week or for that day and you're able to say, this is what we'll work on, but this is what I'm going to send home. You're right. able to kind of plan it out and make a, a um, choice to let the parents know, okay, this is what they're coming home with. And now, you know, you can get familiar with that information. Right. Yeah. Planning is a good idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see how many, <laughs> but you, and that's planning. like so wow. <laughs> planning is like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's cause I, sometimes I have a hard time with planning as well, mm-hmm. but when I do evaluate my, the children that I evaluate, I do try to give out websites. Mm-hmm. Um, I also try to give out just applications Right. Um, applications as far as helpful applications on the iPad or the iPhone, your Android, anything, which will assist with just the entire process so that they can follow along. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that I do similar to what you're saying. So it's like, even if you didn't get the opportunity to plan, you have like a backup of all these other resources that would be beneficial to that child. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes the planning doesn't even take a whole lot, you know, right. it doesn't yeah. really take a whole lot. We might be doing a worksheet and then have that worksheet, you know, one worksheet for the session, but send that same worksheet home, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also, so I just lost my train of thought what I was going to think about. Oh, so now that's what I wanted to talk about. So, um, I did always struggle with that carryover, like the mindfulness of it. Like, how am I going to bring this home if I'm so detached from home? I've now been teleported into homes. It's very strange. So like, this is what made me really want to reach out because you sent me a video describing the app, which sounded amazing. And then I was thinking like, I'm now in these people's home they hear me the whole time so they know like not only do they know like the vocabulary we're using they they know the way in which I expect the child to perform that yeah so I think everything's getting way more carried over yes definitely because if you think about it they're in your session right yeah yeah (laughs) and they're like okay your speech pathologist just worked on this. You know how to do, you can do, you just did, you know? Right. Yeah. So like if we're working on come here or eat more, then they can use those core phrases, come here and eat more throughout their day and know that we're working on saying it clearly and using it independently. Um, So like, yeah. I'm sorry. And then also, even if you relate it to an actual space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, usually kids relate the come here or I want more to the actual speech and hearing clinic. Sometimes I hear the parents say, you know, it's so hard to get them to do this at home. But uh-huh. since you're actually teleported inside the right. kitchen. Yeah, I'm in the kitchen. Now Eat they, more. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They can generalize it or they can just 
they can start to realize, okay, I said this inside the kitchen. I can get more of apples. I can get more of this. So now that you're actually in their space, they can relate what they've learned to their actual space. That is amazing to me. I'm just thinking about that. Yeah. And it feels like I've never, and it's sad and I'm not proud of it, but like in my, I think eight years of being an SLP, I have not been in contact with this many parents on a regular basis in my entire career. Even when I worked in a clinic and there was like a waiting room, it still was like kid after kid after kid. Like, so I didn't, I couldn't talk to them for very long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it shows me, I don't know that it's an easy part of therapy to neglect because it's hard, but I want to talk about like how clinicians can successfully promote carryover and generalization of skills. So we already touched a bit upon it, but do you have anything else to add? Yeah. So I would say to take the initiative for the clinicians to take the initiative to open up the door for parents Mm -hmm. to ask questions. A lot of times they see us as the specialists. Mm -hmm. You know, when we go to the doctors, you know, some people are asking question after question. I'm that person. I'm going to ask you question after question. Mm -hmm. But some people can have an intimidated nature, you know, for the doctor or for the specialist, you know. So I would say just to make sure you're opening up the door to those questions for the parents, because generally if you have, if the parents have a young child who suffers from something that you're working on, they're going to have a ton of questions. So that's my first thing, making sure you open up the door to the parents actually, if to seeing if the parents actually have questions. So if you know that the parent might be a little weary about something or just just opening up the lines of communication, letting them know that it's okay. Is there anything else I can help you with? Um, is there, yeah. So is there right. any other questions that you might have? Right. Yeah. It's, and I think that what I like about what you said is like, you have to open the door, but like by opening the door, you're, you're setting that expectation. So yes. if you don't start off that way, then like, it is difficult to change your relationship and your routine with this family. You know, mm-hmm. if, if every other day they just walked out and it was over, it's going to hard to like, be hard to like change that and and sit down and speak. But if you go into it being like, these are the expectation at the beginning or at the end of the session, we will spend this much time discussing what has gone on and what we plan to do next or whatever. Right. And then that also gives them the, okay, I need to be involved as well. Right. Because if they're just coming in and out like a revolving door, it's kind of like, oh, that the speech pathologist has it. I mean, that's fine. You know, but that's not what we want them to do. You know, we want them to, you know, we want to intrigue so that they can ask the questions and know that, hey, in this process of getting your child to a certain level, reaching developmental milestones, you actually have to be involved. So making sure that they, you know, they know that they have to, they're an active, very active part of the child's um, progress. Right. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it's hard because like some people might be like, you know, I took you to piano, learn piano. I took you to speech, like do speech. Right. But that's not how it works. (laughs) Yeah, that's not how it works. And that's not (laughs) how we're going to get your child better. 
Right. You know, yeah. It's just not how we're going to get your child better. And we're not asking them to actually sit in the sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not asking them to be the speech pathologist. And however, in some cases, and mostly with early intervention, they're doing a new model where the, the parent is actually in the session learning the skills so that the child can carry over and the parent can be responsible at home. So that is a new model. Yeah, and that's a bit of what I've been doing for all of my individuals with complex communication needs that I've been seeing over teletherapy. Mm-hmm. I've had to just have um, mom or dad sit with them and and do what I am instructing them to do. And um, they have been, one, surprised that the child does as much as they do. But then two, they've also received pushback because it's not something that the parents ordinarily demand of them. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to get around. Yeah, it's hard to get around, but it's possible. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> it is hard to get around, but um, right now, so like now they, they see what we're doing and they, they apply it and they, they increase their expectation. And I think that when like they put that responsibility on the child, then that like builds their confidence and they're like, well, it's expected that I do it like this. And they're not going to like stop asking me to do it until I do it like this. So I'm just going to do it. And then they do it and they're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and then a lot of times too, you know, it's difficult to to for the parents to correct the behaviors like us as the professionals correct right. the behaviors, right? So we're correcting the behaviors and we have a behavior chart and a behavior board. But when you get home with the parents, they're like, I don't have to listen to that, you know, <laughs> but you do because now we're using that same structure that we use in the clinic. We're right. going to use it at home. And it's just like a little bit of energy, just like different kind of energy. So it's like, would you rather, you know, get the behavior and then feel the frustration or just put a little bit more energy towards committing to the plan and then see like results, just a little mindset, like, yes, which, (laughs) but it is hard for parents though, because they're just like, this is mommy. Mommy's got all the snacks. If I cry, mommy's there. When I go to bed there, she's again, you know, so it's like more, their day is not as broken up as ours is. Yeah. But I I do promote. Yeah. So I promote, even with the children with autism spectrum disorder, I promote a schedule at home. I mean, of course you will have those, that downtime, but I definitely promote the structure because children on the spectrum do really well with structure. Right. Yeah. And the whole family, I think it just like kind of, clarity there. Yes. So I want to hear more about this app. Um, Why did you create the app? What can people find on there? And why is it so important to you? Like of all the things that you could create, why, what was your why for this? Oh my goodness. My why for this app was for carry over. So many of my parents, when we leave the session, when we leave the IEP meeting, when we leave the evaluation, when we do progress reports, when we do any, 
it's mm-hmm. always like, what do I do? Miss Tina, I need something else to do. What do I do? What should right. I be doing on a daily basis? So the app actually pulls all of that, all of that together. Right now we have flashcards that are updated every two weeks where um, they have flashcards as far as cluster reduction, gliding. Right now we're doing a revamp to the app. So it'll be so much more on there, but they also, the app also has access to blogging boards. So it has a speech pathologist board. It has a teacher's board, a parent's board. So parents can go in there and say, Hey, does anybody have any experience with potty training a child with autism? Does anybody know where I can get a whatever online for this type of diagnosis then the parents can also have access to the speech pathologist on the blogging board you know and this is a nationwide thing you can literally take your phone and download the app and um some of my clinicians are on the app too so it's a um, speech pathologist locator so the clinicians are on there you put in your um, zip code the clinician will pop up and say, hey, my name is Quintina. I specialize in fluency and um, cluttering. I've been a speech pathologist for this long and I'm ready to work with your child. Oh, wow. You know, that's the speech pathologist locator. Um, There's so many things on the app. We also have the pre-recordings, I mean, the recordings of the trainings that we do. So if you want to go on there and you want to learn how to manage behaviors in your session, then you'll just go on there, download the recording, download the freebies that come with the recording. And then the potty training course, there's so many resources on the app to allow parents to carry over the information. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to. You have access to the specialist, flashcards. Right. <laughs> so everything is like, it's literally just handed to you. Yes. But then also it's great for this, for us clinicians. Cause it's like, yes. here you go. Like it, maybe I don't have time to plan or I forgot, but it just look up anything in this category yes. and that would be helpful. Yes, yes, yes. So the app right now is coming, it's coming um, together wonderfully. Um, There's a lot of things that we are putting on there and there's some things that we highlight versus other things that we don't. But as time goes on, it'll definitely grow. And I'm so excited about the app. It is a free app. So um, you won't have to pay anything for the actual app. That's amazing. Yes, the resources on there are just, they're growing. And every single day, God gives me a vision and I put it out. So, Oh my goodness. That's amazing. (laughs) Amazing. And did you have a lot of like, um, like, uh, hands-on with creating the app or did you have like a developer? No, I have the keys to my back office. I do everything. Oh my goodness. Wow. So you're not talking to or getting any advice from or having anything developed. Well, they did. I have a developer that actually developed it and put it on the store. Right. But all of the content comes from a speech and language pathologist. Okay. Wow. No Wonderful. content comes from anybody else. That's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so the app and everything. Is that like a whole full-time job or does it kind of like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can imagine. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Full time job. Okay. (laughs) And if Quintina's doing it, then people better go on there and use all that stuff because it's already done. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
It's a full-time job. You hit it right on the nose. Woo. Oh my goodness. But it must be a little addicting because like I'm a content creator as well. So it's like, even though it's a full-time job, you're like, but what if I, what if I did this? Mm-hmm. And like, you just keep mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. But it's and a lot. I think firsthand, we're able to see in the field as a specialist, we're able to see what the parents and the children need. And then we're mm-hmm. able to see what our colleagues need as well. So when I see that, I put this stuff out. I love it. So I'm going to guess like our tips and tricks section here is going to be check out Pediatric Speech Lab in the App Store. It's also on Android and yes. Google Google Play, right? Google Play. Yes. Yeah. Google, yeah. Google, Google Play, Apple Store. And then also if you go to the pediatricspeechlab.com page, mm-hmm. the app link is there. And it'll say download the app and then you'll just scroll. It has all the highlights of what the app has and you'll just hit it if you have an Android or hit it if you have an Apple and it'll take you right to the app store. Amazing. Um, So before we head out of here, I usually ask the guests to end with a quote or a motto or a mantra, just anything that you tell yourself to get you through the day. Yes. So I'm a very spiritual person. Um, and one of the Bible verses and the quotes and my all time favorite um, quote in the Bible is um, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, the plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. So that is my most favorite. <laughs>